He has his say. You can have yours. Text us or call us and join the conversation. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Brought to you by WVU Medicine. But you got to have friends. The feelings are so strong. You got to have friends to make that day last long. I had some friends, but they're gone. Something came and took them away, and from the dust till the dawn. Here is where I'll stay. Good morning, good friends. Welcome to the Watchdog Morning Show. Mr. Slider is here. I am here, and we're glad that you are at the other end of the radio station listening to us, whether it's uh, on watchdognetwork.com, listening to our live stream of the audio, whether it's on AM 1600, AM 1370, FM 981, FM 97.7, wherever you listen, however you listen, we're just glad that you're listening, quite frankly. So very much appreciate that. 62 degrees right now, Wheeling, Ohio County Airport, 63 at the Highlands, 62 uh, poolside in Elm Grove by my house and 62 degrees at the Robinson Auto Group Studios, downtown Wheeling in the heart of the Ohio Valley. Mostly sunny today, highs in the mid-80s, sunny tomorrow. Flirt with the 90s will be in the, uh, in the 80s, high 80s, some will get into the 90s. Maybe some showers and thunderstorms at dark time tomorrow, uh, carrying into Thursday morning. Thursday, we will definitely get into the 90s. And then into the upper night or into the mid 90s by Friday and Saturday. Start to dwindle down after that. Uh, currently, did I say? Yeah, I gave you the temperature, so there you go. Bob, we were talking about the heat. Yes. And Adam gave us a statistic that just absolutely, it's, I can't get it out of my head. I knew, I saw a really good report on CBS Evening News last night on Channel 7 about the high heat in the Midwest and out West and uh, and if you look at the map, you know, which is kind of a color-coded map, I mean, giant swaths of this country are in the bright red, meaning it's super, super hot. Phoenix, which has been having a, a string of 100-degree-plus temperatures for quite some time now, they are – did he say the temperatures overnight are in the 90s? That's what he said. That's what really got my attention because I, I said I, I couldn't stay there, and, and I mean it. If you wake up in the middle of the night – and you stick your head out the window, or you walk out the door, and it's still over 90? What's that telling you? The world's coming to an end, or I'd probably panic. I, I was watching this report last night, and I was thinking about that. These are the kinds of scenes you see in disaster movies. You know, temperature's so high, the, 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 the world is melting down. Phoenix, 116th air temperature, not feels like. Air temperature today likely to be 116 degrees. Not so fast, Mr. Renro. I thought the same thing as you. And then last night I came upon something uh -oh. that said the year 1976. That was the theme today. You didn't pick up on it, but oh. that's okay. And the reason I picked 1976, according to what I, I heard last night, they were experiencing a worldwide drought in a heat wave. I was 14, Howard. I can't really remember it, but it was, they said it was worse than what, what we're talking about here. I, I don't remember that. Did, did it happen here, I wonder? I guess. I, <laughs> everywhere. I mean, and, and one of the things that, that made sense was I remember the Son of Sam, which happened in the summer of 76, mm -hmm. and they said it was really, really hot. They were having the power outages that you described because of the overloading. Right. I do remember that. 
the Bronx is burning. I remember remember hearing that phrase. But here in good old Wheeling, I think might have skipped us, Howard, because I don't remember too much of that. I don't either. But you got to understand that was the year before I got married. So wasn't I was thinking, wasn't thinking. I wasn't <laughs> thinking so much about the heat, or at least not the heat outside. You know what I'm saying? Other but, thoughts. Yeah, exactly. So, well, I, I, that's interesting. I have to do some research on that too. That's intriguing. So, I no, I didn't catch it. I didn't, I, you played some good songs. That's all I thought. The, the music was good today. And I'm saying you guys are crazy. Go to Arizona and tell me in 1976 it was hotter than that because I don't believe you. 116 degrees in Arizona feels like not feels like air temperature. I, Adam couldn't even, <laughs> he couldn't even run that through his feels like calculator. That's so hot, hot he couldn't run through the calculator. Bob, you you said something off the air to me that got me thinking, and I did quickly did a little research. You said, that, you know, wouldn't your car start to melt? I mean, that's a little exaggeration. Your car's not going to melt, but your car's going to become a hot box. We all we've all experienced that here in West Virginia. We got in, a, in the car and we couldn't if we were wearing shorts, we couldn't put our, our our bare leg on on the on the seat, right? You sometimes feel this when you get into a car that has been in the sun, the hot temperature is high, and and it, it begins to heat up the inside of the car. So I came across a study on an hour, on a uh, typical 100-degree day. Now, this is a 100-degree day, which we have had in this past year. We're going to get close to it, not to it this time, but 116 in Phoenix. So on a 100-degree day, your steering wheel will be 170, 127 degrees. We've all done that. You get in the car, the sun's been beating down on it, you touch the steering wheel, and you say, oh, my Lord, it's so hot. You have to get a handkerchief out or something and hold the steering wheel and try and cool it down. On a 100-degree day, the average steering wheel will be 127 degrees, and your dashboard will be 157 degrees. That's how hot it will be inside your car. I mean, that's just... Other things to think about, again, from the study that was done about uh, what happens with cars in the heat. Air temperature inside the cars, if it's 100 degrees outside, it'll be 116 degrees inside. So you get into a car that's 116 degrees. And you wonder, you got to have the world's best air condition to, to counterbalance that, right? Right. I mean, I've never had that. I always got to crank my windows down real fast, try to air it out a little bit. Howard, you, you know that. Uh, I don't know if you caught the video, but, man, the, this man accidentally – Locked his infant in, in, the, in the truck. I, I forget where he was now. He didn't mess around. He, bro he broke the broke windshield the window. I saw right that, yeah. now. He did not mess around. Well, you can, and listen. they said it was just like the temperatures you just described, Howard. He probably saved the kid's life. Listen, that, we've seen that in Bridge Over the River Kwai and other movies. That was, that was torture. Put the prisoners of war in a little metal box out in the sun. That was, that was, that was torture. Um. So air temperatures inside the car will be, will be 116 degrees. The seats themselves, 123 degrees. And so you get in there with your shorts on, yeah, you know what? Oof. Um, the dashboard, 157 degrees. I mentioned that. Uh, what else? Real quick before I get to... In the shade. All right, now, in the shade. This is in the sun. Oh, much better in the shade. In the shade. In the shade. If the outside temperature is 100 degrees, in the shade... The seats will be 105 degrees, only 105. The steering wheel, 107 degrees. The dashboard, 118 degrees. Amazing numbers. I bet if we had an Arizonian here, is that how you say a native of Arizona, Howard? We could call it that. Okay, that's what I'm going to call him, or her. 
if they were here, they would probably say, yeah, you're right. We have to battle that. But what about you folks here that have to battle uh, blizzards periodically? They probably want no part of a blizzard like we want no part of 120-degree uh, temperatures. You know, listen, I got a Subaru gets through the snow, all right? First of all, there is that. Number two, I got, I got, I got really warm gloves and boots, you know, and leggings and things. Um, it seems to me there are ways to deal with the with the blizzard i don't know how you deal with the heat 100 and it's going to be 116 degrees today i'm gonna go to the shade howard that's where i'm going with the shade it doesn't the shade doesn't help you any all right i'm going back in the air conditioner then howard i'm coming home i'm going <laughs> i would think that the airlines would be like just everybody's going i want to go somewhere usually what's what you know usually it's we want to go somewhere warm we want to get away to the nice tropical climb no Take me to Alaska. Take me to Antarctica if, if I'm looking Anywhere at Anywhere but Arizona. Exactly right. And Arizona is the, the city, the uh, Phoenix is the place we've been kind of focusing on. This is true all throughout that part of the country. All right. 816 here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Uh, national and international news coming up. Tom Scateri, our national correspondent, is in. He's next. Hello, it's John Kozik, founder and president of TurboTrack Realty, and I buy houses as is fast for cash. Call me today for an all-cash offer on any of your properties, and we can close within days at 614-470-2000, 614-470-2000. Do you own a property that's outdated and needs thousands of dollars in repairs? Great, I'll buy it. Give us a call today for an all-cash offer at 614-470-2000, 614 614- for seventy two thousand, would it be convenient for you if you could simply take what you wanted and leave the rest behind? Great, I'll buy it. I buy vacant properties, inherited homes, divorce situations, death in the family, apartment buildings, rental portfolios. I even buy my tenant won't pay me the rent houses. Call TurboTrack Realty today for an all cash offer and speak with one of our friendly staff members at 614 614-470-2000. 614-470-2000. You're gonna make a run and you plan on having fun. The one place you should know, Gumby's Grab and Go. What if your bank offered new checking and savings accounts with a very low balance required, online bill pay, and debit cards issued right away? I would like that. What if that bank had extended hours every business day and were open on Saturdays and most holidays? That's incredible. And if all their accounts had low fees or no fees? That's money in the bank, the right bank. Open your checking and savings account at Main Street Bank. You deserve a bank this good. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Ready to take your driving experience to the next level? Look no further than Toyota, the pioneers of automotive technology. With Toyota cars, trucks, and SUVs, you'll discover a world of cutting-edge innovation at your fingertips, like advanced driver assist features, seamless connectivity, and unparalleled safety systems. Go to buyatoyota.com for special offers, then visit your local Toyota dealership. Offers end August 1st. Toyota, let's go places conversations you care about with people you know. 
This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe on WKKX and WVLY. Brought to you by WVU Medicine. Identified the year, but uh, 1976 songs. That's it. It yes. was a good year. I, it was, the, the music has been good. This it was a good year for music. It was the bicentennial year. I remember that. Absolutely. Happy yeah. birthday, good old U.S. of A. U.S. of A. And it was the year before uh, I got married. So there you go. 64 degrees, Wheeling, Ohio County Airport. 64 at the Highland. 64 poolside in Elm Grove, uh, in my backyard, and 64 here at the Robinson Auto Group Studios downtown Wheeling, in the heart of the Ohio Valley. Sunny. High in the mid-80s today, up to maybe 90 tomorrow, into the 90s on Thursday. It's going to be a hot week around here, but nothing like the heat that we're talking about out in Phoenix and elsewhere. And I've got some other stories to talk about in terms of how the heat affects people, particularly when you get into 116-degree temperature. So that's coming up a bit later on. Coming up next half hour, we're going to talk a little bit more about the U.S. Senate race here in West Virginia. Joe Manchin wrote an op-ed piece for USA Today which I thought was interesting, proclaiming, I don't want to run for president, but then saying, here's the things that we need to have in our country that maybe a president could do. So I'll share all of that with you. And we are continuing UFO talk. It's pure coincidence. I didn't schedule two in a row, but yesterday we had a, a guest talking about uh, UFOs, UAPs, if you will, flying saucers, uh, and why do we have such a desire for them to be aliens from outer space. Today I'm going to talk with an anthropology professor who says, has some thoughts on what do we do at first contact when the folks show up and they say, take me to your leader. Who do we take him to? We'll talk about that coming up uh, in the next hour of the show. Tom Scateri is here with us right now. Good morning, Tom. Missed you last week, but I know you were vacating. I was. I, I did a little bit of work over in England and met with some really good, smart defense people over there. And then I had a vacation for a couple of days, which was I was sort of out of practice on that, but I quickly got back in the swing of it. <laughs> are, are you able to relax? I, I, my sense yep. is you're somewhat like me that you, you kind of part of your mind is always working on work. Well, I, I would say I, I, yes to some extent, but I will tell you, Howard, that this the, the last days in England. You know, with, I was with friends of mine. We were out in Kent, which is east of London, on the shores of you know White White Cliffs of Dover, that type of thing. Yep. And I, I relaxed a lot. I mean, I did look at you know, the news once in a while and thought, oh, that's an interesting story. But I didn't jump into anything, um, answered very few work emails. After, after The London part of my trip was business, and that was fun, you know, but fine, I mean. But I had a great vacation. I did relax, and uh, everything worked out really well. I went to visit a channel of mine. We met in, in Iran, actually. He's a British journalist, was a British journalist. And after the 91 Gulf War, we met in Iran, of all places, and became great friends. So, you know, we've known each other for a long time. So, yeah, worldwide traveler there, and you have friends who are all across the all across the world. That's kind of kind of fun. And also, it's real quick, nice. before we get into our discussion, mm -hmm. did I not see you had a reading of a couple of your poems this week or the last week or so? Uh, no, a couple of my poems were published in, in, in a new outlet, some of oh, my okay. newer poems. Okay. Yeah, thank you for that note. Uh, you know, it's been a good year, and you've been you you guys have been really kind in highlighting it. It's a really good good year for my poetry, and um, these were recent poems, meaning I wrote them in the last three or four months, and two of them just got published, and actually three or four of them just got published in the last month. So, you know, very exciting summer. 
I just find it fascinating. You know, you're a hard-boiled international reporter, <laughs> and then you write poetry. I just, it's, uh, you know, it's it, to me, it's uh, it's intriguing. Uh, all right, Tom, let's talk about a couple of things. Well, I want to get to um, the Ukraine, and I want to get to a couple yeah. of the international stories, but let me do a little political stuff first. Yep. The um, Department of Justice is now suing the state of Texas mm-hmm. for these uh, barbed boys, I guess, that uh, Texas is putting out to try to keep uh, immigrants from coming in, and the Department of Justice says you can't do that, and I'd stop it, and Greg Abbott said no, and now now we're looking at a standoff, I guess. Well, yeah, I would call it a Texas uh, standoff and not a Mexican standoff at this point, but it has to do with Mexico, obviously. Uh, and this is an interesting standoff, and I, I did uh, step back and look at the larger picture here, Howard. Um, let's just say this goes, goes through the court system and gets the U.S. Supreme Court. Texas has to be smiling because of the makeup of the U.S. Supreme Court. Listen, international borders are controlled by the federal government. Um, you know, you can protect your state borders, but the Rio Grande River is an international border. And doing that against the wishes of the federal government generally is considered illegal and improper. And also, you know, states can't set foreign policy, and since that is setting foreign policy. You can, it's, protecting your state is one thing. Uh, interfering with federal foreign policy is another. Um, Abbott's really been pushing the envelope. You know, for listeners who don't know what everything that's going on in the border, the United States, the federal government, has U.S. active duty forces on the border in, in support of customs, and as those include uh, National Guard troops that have been federalized. In other words, you know, they're federal troops under the Department of Defense orders. Texas is using its National Guard in a state capacity for a, a separate mission on the border, which the Pentagon bends over backwards to make sure that there's no um, interfacing between the two, no you know melding of the two operations, because the Texas operation is fraught with a lot of problems, Howard. And this is the this is systematic problems that are showing it now in this border situation as we talked about these barriers in the river. And, you know, the, the accounts of what's being treated, women who are pregnant and others, these are not made up. These are actual events, according to Pentagon officials. And they shudder at this because what happens is it casts a pail on what the U.S. military and customs is trying to do. You mentioned uh, that maybe Texas is looking, if this becomes a, an issue for the Supreme Court, looking mm-hmm. to the makeup of the Supreme Court. Although I find it interesting, in another state, the Alabama Republican-led legislature is thumbing their nose at the mm-hmm. Supreme Court ruling. Uh, the Supreme Court has said you must add another majority black district mm-hmm. to your redistricting. And the Alabama legislature, led by the GOP, said, ah, we don't care what the Supreme Court said. We're not going to do it. Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting thumbing <clears throat> of your nose. Um, uh, the, I see one of the differences in, in court rulings here is that uh, redistricting law is pretty well defined over the years. You know, so even this Supreme Court, and I mean, you know, which is considered a conservative Supreme Court, there's a lot of there's a body of law there that really isn't uh, that flexible necessarily. You, you know, these these are these are the precedents that have been established in a lot of states, as opposed to you know Roe v. Wade, which they could say was making legislation. I don't know what will happen, Howard. To be honest with you, with Alabama. Um, you know, in the old days, uh, meaning before it's such rancor on Capitol Hill, a state that refused to follow uh, congressional lines uh, that were mandated by the courts 
cannabis delegations are not seated, for example, uh, regardless of party affiliation, uh, because you know they're just not legally elected, uh, according to the courts. Everyone's uh, something to know at the Supreme Court. What what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? Well, I, I have no. You know, I had a couple people ask me that. I said, how are, are what happens here? Supreme Court, which you can tell they're important because Supreme is in their name. The Supreme right. Court has said. <laughs> You must redistrict, putting a second majority black district in. And Alabama's Republican-led legislature said, we ain't going to do it. It is right. a, a, an amazing thumbing of their nose, as I said earlier. But what's the recourse? What recourse does anybody have? That's a good question, and I can't really answer <clears throat> that you know, at all because I have never seen this. I mean, in the past, we have seen uh, legal challenges, you know, below the Supreme Court, you know, one court rules one way, and uh, either the state, uh, North Carolina did it somewhat recently, uh, you know, they had to do their elections over again. Uh, sometimes the feds appeal uh, if they lose, but never on a Supreme Court ruling, hence the one the party that, quote-unquote, lost, said, well, we're just not going to follow the law. We're not going to follow the court ruling. I don't, I don't know. And it's unlike, you know, it's unlike desegregation when Eisenhower was able to send troops to Little Rock. You know, what are you going to send troops to you know, Alabama to force the legislature to redraw the lines? Of course not. Yeah, I, I, I would, and again, I'm really way out of school on this. I would think that somewhere in the court system, when there's a ruling from the Supreme Court, that if the legislature won't do it, and we had a similar case here back in the 70s in uh, West Virginia having to do with their school funding formula, and the uh, Judge Reck, Judge Arthur Reck from Wheeling, had issued an order that they had to re redo the funding system. They didn't do it, so Rex simply put his own funding system into place and said, "You haven't done it. I'm going to do it." I would suppose that's a possibility. Uh -huh. Maybe that. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Justice Department could, the court could have the Justice Department redraw the lines, for example. Right. Uh, and then they could say that's the plan, and then you have to have this election plan. This is me on a limb here. I'm just speculating. Right. Um, but this is, you know, the courts could say, "Okay, we will draw the lines for you. We'll have the Justice Department draw the lines." which they have in the past, you know, in different cases. Uh, and this is your this is your district. And if you don't run in these districts, uh, you're not going to get recognized. Now, this, it's also interesting to remember one thing, Howard. Uh, a member of a House of Representatives represents the entire state. And the, the idea of congressional districts was not necessarily spelled out in the Constitution. In other words, line. Right. In other words, what do you guys have, four, four members of the House from West Virginia? No, nope, just, nope, just three now. We lost one last three time. Three now, okay. So if you walk through the you know the office buildings in the House of Representatives, you'll see you know um, X from West Virginia. It doesn't say Charleston or Morgantown or any you know whatever the major cities may be in that district. They represent West Virginia. So technically, you have to live in a state to run in, in a district. Okay, that's not the same thing we're talking about here. Uh, we're talking about who can vote for that member uh, in that district. So it's two different things. But in other words, you can live in Birmingham and run for a seat in Montgomery, Correct. Alabama, right. uh, because you remember, if you meet other state requir residency requirements. Right. You, yeah, you don't have to be in that uh, in that particular district. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, it seems to me like we're really getting, seeing more and more of these, I don't want to say, the system is starting to fall apart a bit. People who are yeah. simply saying, nope, we're not going to do, you know, once upon a time, the the two things that define this country, in my mind, getting a little philosophical here, Tom, but the two things that define this country more than anything else, of course, is democracy, the power of the vote, and the rule of law. 
both of which are really significantly under attack these days. And I think both the examples you gave, Howard, what's happening in Texas from Governor Abbott and what's happening in Alabama are, are just two assaults on what you just said. Uh, you know, the federal government has had prerogatives that is laid out, and then everything else that's not laid out go to the state. That's how it's always been. Uh, federal elections, in other words, members of the House, members of the Senate, that's federal. You know, those, those are set up by the federal government, and the states are given the power to draw the lines according to certain legal procedures. Likewise, states are allowed to defend their borders to a certain extent, but not international borders. Now, Texas and Arizona and New Mexico, uh, they could complain all they want, and maybe they're justified in complaining that the federal government hasn't protected the border. Now, that's a different discussion, and I'm not getting into that. But that doesn't mean you could do essentially vigilante action right. that violates the Constitution. Uh, you know, stressed up as the state government doing it, but that's what it is. I misspoke earlier, too. I, I said that you said we have four uh, congressional. I guess. Uh, and I said uh, we're down to th no, we're down to two. We lost oh. we lost one in the last time. So now we only have two two congressional districts here in the state. And that's frankly a little scary to me. Tom, let's let's switch to the international scene. Uh, by the way, it's 830 yep. in the morning here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Tom Scateri, our national correspondent, Pentagon reporter, is with us here on the Watchdog Morning Show for a Tuesday. Um Let's switch to the international scene. It looks like Ukraine has been trying to sort of move further into Russia. They've been some, doing some drone strikes and bombing inside Russia and in Moscow. That's even. correct, and I think we're going to see more of it, especially in Crimea, which, you know, has occupied Ukraine, depending on your perspective, and the drones are getting close to Moscow. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a dark humor going around the Pentagon recently. You know, the big concern in the first year of this war was we, meaning the West, we don't want to do things uh, to escalate. Putin would react and escalate. And then the Ukrainians said, well, you know what? When we do anything, we can use that to escalate. So the Ukrainians are hitting hard. Uh, there's a lot of debate now on what See, we should have given them more weapons earlier, this and that. And you're hearing complaints from the Ukrainians that they still don't have enough, and that's why the counteroffensive is going slow. You know, Howard, we're in a very interesting time there in Ukraine. Uh, I, had, I sent you, you know, a couple items today. But you know, there's going to be another package of aid announced today, probably $400 million from us to us meaning the United States, you know, mine clearing, strikers, Patriots, missiles, et cetera. But here's the other item that grabbed me. Germany only has 20,155 millimeter shells left in its stockpiles. That's not, that sounds like a lot, but it's not. They, they were supposed to have enough to fight for 30 days. That would be 230,000 rounds. And they have 20. Yes? And they have 20. They 000. have 20, 10% of what they need. Because they, like us and others, have been giving... Uh, munitions and weapons to Ukrainians. I'm not saying that's wrong to do, but it really points out the future of this war that if Putin follows his plan, which is just keep going, keep going, and wear the West down, where's Ukraine going to get these munitions? You know, your, See, your, yeah. your, your point about how things have changed from the beginning of this war, we were, we, the West, as you said, yeah. particularly concerned about not wanting it to be escalated any further than it had to be. We wanted to support Ukraine, but not too much. But it seems like weekly we're digging the hole deeper and deeper, and we're getting deeper. And I'm not opposed to it, by the way. I don't want him to think I'm opposed to it. Yeah. But we are we are sending more and more uh, munitions, more and more uh, artillery. Uh, mm -hmm. We're getting deeper and deeper into this. And I guess there is a part of me that wonders, how deep does it go? You know, I don't think we, you and I had a chance to talk about the cluster bomb issue, right. uh, you know, because it happened after our last show two weeks ago. And cluster bombs, you know, the United States decided to provide them to Ukraine. 
Um, there's a lot of issues with cluster bombs, the fact that they don't explode and they land on the ground in civilians. In Laos, for example, now, you know, we haven't been in Laos since the 70s. Cluster bombs we dropped there are still exploding and killing kids and civilians. But part of the reason why Biden decided to say yes on the cluster bombs is we don't, we're out of other stuff to send them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, cluster bombs are very useful in this situation to take out uh, the mine emplacements and to take out the Russian soldiers, I don't mean to be cold and crass here, but, you know, they're very effective. But we don't have a lot of other munitions to send them. And so they kind of, okay, they can use them, but we don't have much to send. Putin's beginning to run out of forces, isn't he? Uh, that's a good one. You know, the British who I spoke to don't think so. You know, I, I, I sent an item to you, I think, about how we've now signed a decree that guys older than 60 can be drafted. Wait a minute. Uh, what? Oh. Thank God we're not yeah. in Russia, Bob. Guys over 60 can be drafted. I know. But uh, I think that those forces would go sort of like the Home Guard, and they would relocate the younger and more, in theory, vigorous members to the front. But they, they are, their troops are not um, the top launch anymore. Remember, they have, about, they have a lot of forces still out in the Far East and other parts of the country that they would shift over to Ukraine if the war keeps going. But if they have a stalemate, they could just sort of keep going with – middling troops, so to speak, you know, without worrying about going on the offensive. Listen, I, I, uh, I look at this, and I, again, I really pray British defense people are much more on the record and much more clear than the folks here. They're not afraid to go on the limb and guide you on what they see and sense. You know, they're, they're not overly optimistic about the future because they think Putin's in a position where he could just drag this out. Well, that's, you know, although, again, going back to when this war started, what's over yep. a year ago? I've lost track of the exact More time. than a year and a half now. Yeah, a yeah, year and a half. Um, Putin's thought was, and I think everybody kind of thought he might be close to being right, I'll go in, make it a quick work, and we'll have the Ukraine. And here yeah. we are. I mean, you know, he's having to draft people over 60. Um, the, the Ukraine is, is attacking inside his own country. Um, and the West is really, to a large extent, together uh, in supporting Ukraine. So this whole thing has taken on a different complexion than it did when we uh, first started. Tom, one last thing real quick, um, yep. uh, sort of a mix of military and, and uh, political. Uh, does the Tuberville hold, is that still causing problems? It is. It's causing a lot of problems. You know, we just had a nomination uh, late last week, over the weekend, of the next head of the Navy, you know, of operations, uh, Admiral Franchetti, Linda Franchetti, she'll be the first woman, if confirmed, to sit on the Joint Chiefs, which is important. She's, the Navy had a great group of candidates for this job, and, you know, it's a very strong bench. But, you know, her nomination could be approved by the Armed Services Committee, which probably will be, uh, in the Joint Chiefs. Uh, you know, we have no Marine Commandant. And this is a problem. You know, people will say, well, you know, other people step up and do this. Oh, sure, but you're, when you have to do two jobs, at a top level like that, that's a lot of work. And, and we're not in a war, but, but, you know, we could be, and you need to have these people in position. And the other thing it hurts is sort of the downstream promotions because, you know, Bob and I are waiting to be promoted to colonel, and that colonel slot has to open up by someone going up to the next level of colonel. Now, the promotions, those promotions aren't affected by the Tuberville hold. It's the, it's the generals and the admirals, but that's a clog up. You know, right. And, and these positions have to be filled. These are the key leadership positions that have to be filled. He shows no sign of, of giving up, although no. he's getting a lot more flack even from his own party now. But he doesn't seem to care. And, you know, 
because his idea of a compromise, Howard, compromise is the Pentagon changing his policy. Yeah. You know, it's not a compromise. It's like my way is the compromise. So he's talked to Secretary Austin a couple times. That happened while I was away. Uh, you know, no progress, apparently. Austin today left for Papua New Guinea and Australia, so he's gone this week. I'm sure negotiations will continue. But, you know, the Democrats have basically said, you, the Republicans in the Senate, you got to solve this problem. Tom, I always appreciate talking to you, my friend. Good conversation. Glad you had a good vacation. We were off last week, Thanks. too, so it worked out well. We took the week oh, off. Good. You took the week off, and now we're all back together again. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Tom. Tom Scateri, Pentagon reporter and um, international bon vivant. What is a bon vivant? Do you know? I was hoping you did. I don't. You said I, it. It, it sounds good, though. I've heard about it. It's international bon vivant. I don't know. I'm not sure. I have to look that up. Uh, eight, uh, almost 840 here on the Watchdog Morning Show. How much could a cyber attack cost your business? The costs stemming from a cyber attack can vary tremendously, but are extremely significant. Recent studies have shown that the average cost of a data breach to small business can range from $120,000 to $1.2 million. In addition to financial loss, companies also suffer downtime, lost opportunities, and data recovery expenses that can all quickly add up. Could your organization survive a cyber incident? If you are unsure if you are doing enough to protect your data, reputation, and dollars from cyber criminals, contact the team at Omni Strategic Technologies today. Omni has the right tools and support to help keep your business protected. Call 304-242-7600 and schedule your free consultation today or visit omniperforms.com. Omni Strategic Technologies, the only cybersecurity and advisory firm that the watchdog trusts. Hello, it's John Kozik, founder and president of TurboTrack Realty, and I buy houses as is, fast for cash. Call me today for an all-cash offer on any of your properties, and we can close within days at 614-470-2000, 614-470-2000. Do you own a property that's outdated and needs thousands of dollars in repairs? Great, I'll buy it. Give us a call today for an all-cash offer at 614-470-2000, 614 614- for Would it be convenient for you if you could simply take what you wanted and leave the rest behind? Great, I'll buy it. I buy vacant properties, inherited homes, divorce situations, death in the family, apartment buildings, rental portfolios. I even buy my tenant won't pay me the rent houses. Call TurboTrack Realty today for an all-cash offer and speak with one of our friendly staff members at 614-470-2000, 614-470-2000. You may not be able to visit Greece, but Greece can visit you at the Grecian Fest. Starts Wednesday, July 26th and continues through Saturday, July 29th at St. John the Divine in Center Wheeling. Come and get a taste of traditional Greek food, ancient Christian faith, and authentic Greek dancers. Join a free Greek cooking class presented each day at 2 p.m. and 4 p.m. Pick up a gyro for lunch. Visit the Greek Coffee House. Enjoy indoor dining. Learn more at GrecianFest.com. These are the 100 days of summer. And this is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Brought to you by WVU Medicine. I've been alive forever. And I wrote the very first song. I put the words and the melodies together. I am music. And I... 
1976, that's was, huh? 1976, Howard. Yeah, uh, my, my boy Barry, Barry Manilow, I write the songs. By then, he'd already become a star, right? I mean, he'd yeah. already... His first... 73, yeah. maybe? His first hit, yeah, that's, that sounds about right, was uh, Mandy and then a couple others. This was this was one of his earlier hits, you know, but uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I write the songs. And uh, earlier you mentioned, I, I know my son, maybe eh, maybe my oldest son would know, mentioned uh, the Bicentennial. It was a big deal. I mean, Huge in, deal. in 1976, which would have been 200 years uh, since uh, Independence Day, the very first one, uh, it was a, a, a huge deal, and uh, I kind of bought into that. It was a cool year, wasn't it? A very patriotic year. Yes. I remember watching the tall ships come into the harbor at New York City on TV. Um, you know, great big tall ships like uh, coming into, into the harbor. It was just majestic and gorgeous. And I remember the bicentennial. It was a minute, right? A, a celebrity, a politician would come on and would tell you, I tell us about something. That. You're absolutely right. The bicentennial and I, I, I believe the very last one was done by the president, was, who was Gerald Ford in 1976. I think that's how it shook out, Howard. That's better memory than I have, but and, yes. And the, the one that I thought was going to break your heart, in uh -oh. 1976, uh -oh. Radio Shack, had 3,500 <laughs> locations. Howard. There had to be, what, two or three here in, in just our area alone, right? There were, oh, at least there was one out in Woodsdale, one in Moundsville, one in St. Clair's, one at the Ohio Valley Mall, and I'm probably missing some. Yeah, I mean, there was, I, I, was, I was amazed by that number. That's a big number. And, Howard, I'll, I'll put you on America's the spot America's Technology Store. What car in 1976 was blowing up? Not, in, not in a good way. I mean, in a bad way. Actually blowing up. Oh. Pinto? The Ford Pinto. Remember that? Yeah. If uh, the gas, uh, uh, what was I saying? The gas will hold the gas. Gas tank. <laughs> gas tank. Gas I couldn't think of tank. <laughs> the gas tank, whoever the uh, engineering genius was, remember they put the gas tank in the back uh, of the, back the Pinto. That's right, yeah. So anytime you would get hit from behind, Boom. your car exploded. That's right. And that was 1976. The other thing that was a big Olympic year, Howard, Bruce Jenner was was big time. Uh, the boxing team was big time. Son of Sam, I mentioned that. And I thought you would get a kick out of this also. Two Hall of Famers, journalist, TV journalist, started their career in 1976. Hmm. TV journalist? To, on the air as an anchor, Barbara Walters for ABC ah, okay. and Tom Brokaw for NBC. One of them was a bust and one of them worked well. Well, and they said they said Barbara Walters could not uh, work with was it Harry Reisner? Is, is, was Harry Reisner, yeah. They, she said that you could tell by their chemistry they hated each other. I remember watching that. It just didn't. It, you, you know, you know, and I. I mean, if you and I don't have chemistry here on the air, if we don't work well together, I don't care. They can put us together. Can hear it. It doesn't work. Sure. It, it just plain doesn't work. And we've seen it in radio. You and I both have seen it in radio. Uh, and that's certainly true on television. You put two people together because you, the executives, think it makes sense. Oh, Barbara, Harry, you'll work together. Mm. No. I mean, you could, it was like you could see the, the whatever radiating off of them. Yeah, I they hated each other's guts. And look, look there, you could tell. Uh, you know, I was 14, Howard. I didn't pay attention to this, but it was a big deal because Barbara Walters, there, there had never been a first, woman. First female anchor, yeah. Now you just take that for granted. They're almost all women now. Or well, they're certainly a, almost 50, yeah, yeah exactly. At least 50 50. Uh, and broke on. But that's interesting. Barbara Walters didn't last very long. Um, and Barbara Walters was great at what she did. This is another example there, too, of, of someone putting. Barbara Walters is a good interviewer. She's well, I'll, that she's a good interviewer. She does a great job with that. She wasn't a good news reader. 
You know, she wasn't good at the job. Forget that she and Reasoner didn't work well together. She wasn't good at the job. And ratings ruled everything. And you got to remember, while we're back in our way back machine, 1976 was basically a three-station, three-network time. And both Barbara Walters and Tom Brokaw were up against uh, Walter Cronkite. Walter Cronkite, the, probably the biggest of them all, uh, all time, right? So they were always fighting for uh, at least number two. And ABC was, although by 76 they had built some strength, ABC was always the straggalong network. It was NBC and CBS, uh, uh, Walter Cronkite and Huntley and Brinkley, that fought mainly for the evening news ratings. ABC, when they began their evening news, was only a 15-minute newscast. And then uh, eventually, of course, it grew. But I saw, I, it's, it's fascinating to me to put these things in a time perspective. The story that we just told, I knew. But 1976 didn't really have that in that in that uh, time perspective, um, and you know Walters went on to great success because she went back to play to her strength, not to doing the things that somebody thought she ought to do. And you just said that when I thought, okay, all right, I don't want to be too chauvinistic here, but did she get the job in '76 because she was maybe the best woman available because there yeah. wasn't that many. I never thought she had any talent, but then you look at Tom Brokaw who has basically a speech impediment, right? I mean, he struggles yeah. just about every yep. broadcast, yep. and he's he's done well. I mean, I would say he's right there with what? Uh, he took John Chancellor's spot, I, I guess, if my memory uh, thinks uh, correctly here, I Howard. you're right. It was uh, Huntley and Brinkley, and then J Chancellor and somebody else paired for off for a For a short time, while. and then Brokaw got the job. And then Brokaw got the job. Brokaw was, is certainly one of the, one of the uh, great uh, TV newscasters, anchor people uh, of all time, and he was a good reporter as well. Again, I, I, I think Barbara Wallace did have talent, but it was not in being an anchor person. She was a good interviewer, right? And, yeah, right. She, did a, she, she could get to, get to people, and she could get them, draw things out from them. And you're absolutely right about, um, uh, you know, she had, that, that was her strength was, was in interviewing. Uh, Brokaw was able to be what, what they put him out to be. But she got that job. Let's be, I mean, I don't think it's any great secret. She was the best woman they could find to, you know, it was, let's put a woman on this newscast. They had to find a place for her. She was on the Today Show, I think, and they wanted to find a place to, you know, to showcase her. So they put her into the ABC Evening News, and it just, it just didn't work. And it shows you, Howard, how far we've come from 1976. Now, and especially if you're paying attention, if you're watching Fox on cable, it's all about beauty now. You have to be beautiful. You could be the smartest, the best interviewer in the world, but if you don't have looks... They're not going to put you on TV today. And that is why I'm in radio. <laughs> Touche, Howard. <laughs> it's 10 till the hour on the Watchdog Morning Show. You want a hospital rising up to the challenges of today's health care demands. WVU Medicine Wheeling Hospital delivers the right care close to home. Developing new and exclusive services. Recruiting top surgeons. Featuring the highest level of orthopedic surgery. Improving healing, rehab time, and outcomes. Offering innovative heart care through our WVU Heart and Vascular Institute. Establishing outstanding urology services with a highly experienced urologist and staff. Providing comprehensive, world-class women's health services. And equipping the WVU Cancer Institute at Wheeling Hospital with cutting-edge science for the highest standard of care. We embody the mountaineer spirit, building upon strong traditions, moving forward with compassion. WVU Medicine Wheeling Hospital, delivering the right care at the right place at the right time. 
When deciding where to dine in the Ohio Valley, think first of the Highlands with a full array of quick service choices from McDonald's, Wendy's, Five Guys, Taco Bell, Jersey Mike's, Jimmy John's, Chick-fil-A, or DiCarlo's Pizza. Or you can dine in at Eden Park, Promanti Brothers, Texas Roadhouse, El Paso, or Quaker Steak and Lube. Whatever your family's in the mood for, you can find it just off I-70 at the top of the hill. The Highlands, dining, shopping, entertainment, and lodging. Experience Undo's Upper Ohio Valley Italian Heritage Festival 40th Anniversary, July 28th, 29th, and 30th at the spectacular Wheeling Heritage Port, one of the largest Italian festivals in the U.S. Enjoy three days of food, family, and tradition with authentic cuisines, gourmet Italian wines, demonstrations, dozens of street vendors, My Way Cafe, bocce tournament, veterans appreciation ceremony, Sunday mass, Little Italy, entertainment like traditional Italian music, Ray Massa, Amici, and featuring the Skyliners on Saturday. Explore an exciting river festival with arts and crafts and games. Visit us on italyfest.org and Facebook. Undo's Upper Ohio Valley Italian Heritage Festival, sponsored by West Virginia Lottery, West Virginia Department of Arts, Culture, and History, Main Street Bank, Ohio County Commission, The Health Plan, DiCarlo's Pizza, and Wheeling Convention and Visitors Bureau. Wild, wonderful West Virginia. Broadcasting from the Ohio Valley, talking about the Ohio Valley. We're live and local. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Brought to you by WVU Medicine. Make a new plan, stand. You don't need to be coy, Roy. Just get yourself free. Hop on the bus, Gus. You don't need to discuss much. Just hop off the key. Music of 1976, our bumpers for today. I'm sure that, obviously, you picked the best ones. There's not been a clunker in this. 1976 must have been a really good year. Well, I had the whole year to go from, so yeah. I thought it was good music, and I can picture myself laying there in my bed, in my bedroom, listening to 1400 AM uh, for your music source. The good guys. uh, The Duggar. The the Duggar. Star stage screen, 8mm home movies. You still hear his voice. If you, if you travel down to Wetzel County, his voice pops up every now and then. Uh, he's still in the radio business, I guess, doing sound work. He, he does. He does. Uh, uh, does um, DJ shows? Will go out and you know do do shows um, and dances and stuff like that. And he does sales. He's a salesman. Uh, he came. Uh, Dugger Doug Hoffman, his real name, uh, came to see me uh, shortly after I bought the radio station, uh, and uh, <laughs> I always left. He, he came into the office, and I didn't recognize him to see him. He would recognize him when he starts to speak. He doesn't speak in that fast voice, but he's still. But he, he came to me, and he handed me his business card, and he goes, Hello, I'm Doug Hoffman. I used to be the Duggar. I thought, man, how sad is that? you gotta, you got to say who you, who you used to be. But it was a nice guy. It was a, it was, it was a fun time. Fun time in radio. I was in radio, but not in that kind of radio. Which so. brings us to an old-time radio guy. This Thursday from 12 to 3, you have to listen real clear to understand sometimes what he's saying. Donnie Gilbert, an old-time uh, DJ himself. Well, you be, know, he used to be part of that Wamper room. He was, Howard. It, it, yes. And uh, from 12 to 3 down there at, uh, at the uh, Grecian Festival, from 12 to 3, Dark Angelo Georges will be there helping Donnie out. So a good, good time. 1976, uh, you said how many Radio Shacks were there? 3,500. 3,500. Uh, you prompted me to be curious. Uh, online, uh, I did a quick Google search. Uh, the company Radio Shack went bankrupt in 2015. Now it had been going 
down and been failing all along. Uh, the Radio Shack brand was sold off, and a bunch of different companies then bought different parts of it. There are There is a Radio Shack online, which I, I didn't realize that, uh, and there are about 400 stores that are called Radio Shacks, but they're independently owned. There's not a Radio Shack franchise anymore. Now, I got a text from someone who said there was a Radio Shack in Benwood. I can't picture that. Well, 3,500 to think about that. They're, they're, every little community had two or three. They were, they were so popular. Well, they were they, – I may have had a greater awareness of it than the average person, but for, for radio stations, that's where you went. You're doing some work late at night or doing some repair work or whatever. You need, you need cables. You need a microphone. You know, the night before remote broadcast, I'm frequently in radio, back in Radio Shack getting a couple of microphones to take the remote broadcast. I mean, it was just – it was a uh, – it was a godsend for people like us. And what I remember about them, you know, especially the years that I worked for you, that you would send me to Radio Shack because we needed something important. You got really good customer service because a lot of the times I had, I had no idea what I was picking up, but uh, they, they, they would always uh, help you out and it uh, seemed like they were happy to do it. I think the people who work there were nerds too, Howard. Is that what yeah, you're saying? I, I guess that's a good way to phrase it. You no, know, I think they actually knew their products. You know, it was they, into it. Yeah. They weren't just, they, you know, they didn't sell shoes yesterday and paint last week. And technology this week, they, they really knew what, what they were doing. But I'm trying to picture where in Benwood that was. Uh, there was a Walmart. Was it down by uh, Hills? Was it in that Was it in that complex? Oh, house? you know what? Maybe. I think it was. I think I could picture it there by the. Now uh, that you say that, I think, yes, I, you might be right. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Help us out. If you live in Benwood, uh, you know the answer. There was one in the Ohio Valley Plaza. And there was a guy there who was one of the first computer guys I got to know. He's a salesman. He actually understood computers, so I bought one of my first computers from him. Actually, my wife bought it, um, the Tandy 2000, something like that. And then uh, there was a Radio Shack out on in Woodsdale, uh, the where Gumby's and Papa John's and so on is. So that that's where uh, that was one. And there was one in one of the Moundsville plazas. I forget which of the plazas. Maybe where Walmart is now. I'm not totally sure, but one of the Moundsville. So. And I would tell you, many a night working at the transmitter when I owned WVOY, working at the transmitter in Moundsville, down the hill to Radio Shack you go. There it was. And uh, we got a call from our friend Mark who said absolutely it was in the uh, that Benwood Hills Plaza. Okay. that make, I, I wouldn't didn't remember that, but now that you say and that. And the other sense. one I can remember, I think they were doomed too, but they were pretty big, uh, especially in those days. Remember, was it uh, Fashion Bug that had a little store in there also, Howard? I I, I you don't remember Fashion Bug? I do remember Fashion Bug. It was not uh, not somewhere you would not uh, the frequent. Kind of place I would uh, frequent. But I, just I remember w- it being big, you know, big. And then I, I don't think there's a Fashion Bug store anymore. I could be wrong. I don't know. Uh, there were a lot of those little independent places all around. Was that in the Hills Plaza too? Is that what you're saying? I know that one was. Yes. Okay. Uh, I, I had forgot. I was I, when I think of, of the old Hill store, I just think of Hills. But you're right. There was a whole big plaza. It was a big plaza. And it's gone. There were a lot of other things. It's all gone. It's all, it's all gone now. Um, I miss Hills. Hills was sort of the precursor in here, in this Ohio Valley. It was the precursor to uh, Walmart. And think about us. You know, we're up here in Ohio County. We, we shop down here a lot because we liked it. If you were in Benwood, think about everything that's gone now. Kroger's gone. That whole plaza would uh, do just about everything of all your needs. It's all gone. It's an industrial plaza now. It's not. A, there's no Yeah, retail. go there and get milk. How's that work out? <laughs> there's no retail in there at all. All right, well, coming up next hour, um, I want to talk about UFOs again. I've got an anthropologist from Bowdoin University who says that we need to think about what are we going to do when they come down here? Ooh, they land, and they say, take me to your leader. 
How do we as a world deal with first contact? What are the people from outer space going to be thinking about us when we have first contact? And also, what should we be doing as we send things off into space trying to communicate with alien beings if there is some? Uh, What's the right way to do it? Uh, He looked at this. uh, He and a couple of uh, co-authors of an article I read worked on comparing indigenous cultures, like when white men go to jungle, be kind of that kind of thing. How do you how do you interface those together? So uh, Willie Lempert coming up in the next hour of the show. We'll talk about that. And I still have some of uh, Joe Manchin's op-ed I want to get to from USA Today. So stick around. Hour number three is uh, coming up here on the Watchdog Morning Show for a Tuesday. It's 9 o'clock. Just drop off the key and get yourself free. FM 98.1, AM 1600, WKKX Wheeling, FM 97.7, AM 1370, WVLY Moundsville.